You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So, very good day, everybody. Let's welcome you to the podcast with Neil Colborne and myself. It's Europe calling and uh, we're hot again. Uh, we had a nice thunderstorm last night, a lot of rain and uh, not quite as hot as previous days, but it's still hot. So, uh, as it's the 1st of July, I think uh, Neil will probably tell me that it's pretty hot his side of the mountain as well as we go due west around about 45 minutes from where I am. Good morning to you then, Neil. Um, and um, what's your weather like across the mountain? Oh, Vince, it's baking. Flacking <laughs> flags. And you, you had the thunderstorm. We could see lightning up, you know, over towards Calpe going that way. But we didn't get one drop. Nothing. Wow. Well, funny enough, I've just been speaking with Matt and uh, he's Altea. And so, you know, he was saying the same, that uh, they'd, they'd had nothing at all. But we got quite a good dowsing, actually. Right. Um, anyway. That's how you do it, Garden, doesn't it? Marvellous. Yeah, that's right. OK, so the first question I need to ask you this morning. I didn't see the stumping during the test match. So, um, A, did you see it? And B, is it worthy of all the uh, furore that we're getting because England went 2-0 down in the test matches? Um, so, what's your take on that one? Well, I saw it. I was watching it live. And fast bowlers are on and wicket keepers about 15 yard back. And uh, every time ball went to keeper, through to the goal, uh, to the wicket keeper, Bear Stowe walks down as a chat with uh, with uh, Ben Stokes. And anyway, one of them must have noticed he was walking out before the ball was dead. So, like, if the keeper catches it and then throws it to a fielder, it's dead and and all that. By the rules of the game, he was stumped. He weren't run out or anything like that. He was stumped. But in the spirit of the game, that's not not really, no. It's like, you know when you watch this one-day cricket yeah. and, and the, the, the guy at the non-batting end, is it inching out of his crease, isn't he? There's a bowler's coming in. And sometimes they whip a bail up and say, whoa, do it again and I'll, you know. So in other words, it keeps you in your crease. <laughs> and I think that's what they should have done there, the Aussies. They've not done themselves a favour. It's all right, I'm calling us whinging poms and God knows what. But in the spirit of the game, uh, it, they wanted one of them two out because I think they would have knocked, I, I think that they would have knocked the, the, the runs that they needed. But by the laws of the game, yeah, he was out. Okay. I've been stumped. But it, as in the spirit of the game, no. That, it, it's, that's not the spirit of the game. Okay, I was going to say, if you and I were playing, um, I think we'd be tempted to have a go, but <laughs> you never know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I get, I get where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, it, 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 this is like the, the best, you know, the best series that they have, you know, for every couple of years or three years or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, you're all out to win. But, I mean, even Stokes, you know, he, he said, that if, you know, if it had been me, 
I would have withdrawn the, the appeal. Yeah. You know, I don't want to win a game like that because, you know, we've always played in, in good spirit, even though we're fierce enemies. Yes. You know, you know, when they're whizzing bounces up at your head all the time, all the, you know, <laughs> you know, but that's part of that game. And that's part of the spirit of the game, you know, that you've got to get them out, you know, bowling or batting or court or, you know, but that, no, I just think, it just left a sour taste in mouth, really. Yeah. And in, in English language, we have an expression, it's not cricket. And uh, yeah. that's where we're going yeah. for our first story. So I think you'll find this quite interesting. So there's quite a few stories about uh, people having their bank accounts stopped. Um, And one particular article, Conservative MP Anthony Brown, a former chief executive of the British Bankers Association, said people were increasingly having their accounts shut down for saying something the lender disagrees with. Banks are entitled to decide who they offer services to, and there are very few protections for customers in this. This is talking on BBC Radio 4 World at One programme. Uh, one cause for concern is the increasing number of cases people who have had uh, because the provider doesn't agree with what they say. It's a major concern. It will have a chilling effect on free speech. So I looked at the comments underneath the article just to see what other people were saying. Um, one person says, well, if you have a business, you can decide who your customers are on any grounds that you like as long as you don't give a reason for it. People um, can infer whatever they like. These comments are full of lefty liberals who think that everybody is entitled to a bank account. In reality, you are not. After all, where are your rights enshrined in law? You cannot force somebody to take on as a customer. Uh, Well, not yet, at least. So that one. Um, And then they need to root out those who made these decisions and fire them. Same goes for the faceless civil servants who claimed Rob, Dominic Rob, bullied them but did not allow themselves to be known. There are kangaroo or better described as Bolshevik courts in all walks of life now, all as a result of Labour Marxist infiltration. It is a dangerous and insidious campaign to take control of this country in a very, very dirty way. We need to make sure Labour do not win the election and go after the ringleaders in this well-orchestrated campaign. I have no doubt uh, Starmer knows about it. OK, um, first one I picked up was Neil uh, Farage, um, or Nigel Farage, sorry. And it's Neil Colborne, isn't it, we want to talk to? <laughs> Neil, that's twice, isn't it, we've recently? Um, OK, so what's your uh, thinking on this one? Well, I mean, the, I, I've never had a, a loan out at bank or a mortgage. I've had to save up and save up and, and, and thingy. So I've not really had a lot to do with my bank, but isn't it funny that the savers are getting nothing and the interest rates are going up, so they're getting more money and more money to play with and there's less services. They're closing all the... I mean, you know I'm a technophobe, so... Me, for try and get some money transferred on from the English account or whatever, I'm stuck. I have to get Ailey to do it, you know. But if Ailey's not here, you know, I've got to... How am I, how am I supposed to transfer money over? I think the banks have had it too good for too long. You know, they use your money and this, that and the other, 
And if all of a sudden somebody said something to somebody, uh, right, well, we're closing your account down. Well, hang on a minute. I'm only trying to get a discussion here of why you're doing this to me. You know? Well, I think... It's, it, it's like uh, Ailey tried to open an ISA. And, it, and they told her <coughs> that you've got to have online banking. So she went through all the rigmarole. And then next minute they said, right, can you send us... Um, you know, a bank statement. She said, well, how can I? You made me go uh, paperless three, four years ago. So how can I? I said, I can dig one of them out. So she dug that out, sent it. Oh, no, no, that's not good enough. Then you have to take your own picture and send that to them or something and, and fill this other thing in. And then they still refuse. So she said, well, I'm making an official complaint. And if I don't get, you know, anything done, I'll go to the ombudsman. And then all of a sudden they come back and he, he tried to waffle with all the, you know, explain that, you, you know, we need proof who you are. Hang on a minute, you know, you're not going to be putting money in an account for somebody else, are you? Like, you know what I mean? It, it sounds ridiculous when you've had your mother's maiden name, you've heard this, that, the national insurance number. Yeah. Well, for them, what, 40 years. I mean, I've been with TSB Lloyds, which it is now. They just forced me to go with life. So. He come back and waffled and said, well, th at the moment, there's nothing I can do about it. But we will put £50 in your account. Well, how do you know it's going in her account if you don't think that it's her account? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's nonsense. So I think banks have had it too good for too long. Well, you know how hot it is here. And uh, Anne had walked from the car park to the bank. I had uh, said, I'll meet you in the bank a bit later on. So when I got to the bank... Uh, Anne was sitting and waiting on her own, nobody in. The guy wasn't working or doing anything. And uh, when I entered and sat down, he said, uh, not knowing that I was uh, with Anne, uh, he, he said, uh, what do you want? And she said, um, I, want, I want to put some money, I want to send some money to my uh, granddaughter. He said, use the app. And she said, well, I, I, I can't use the app. He, he said, well, um, you'll have to use the machine outside. And uh, he, she said, well, can't you help me? And he, he said, uh, you, the, the desk's closed. You've got to come back tomorrow. So with that, I mean, I was already boiling by the time he got to about the third or fourth thing he was sort of putting up as an objection. And I said, I said you're just being lazy. You've got nothing to do and you're not helping one of your customers. So he came over and he eyeballed me. I mean, we're talking about nose to nose practically. And I raised my voice. I said, listen, don't you start coming that with me. And out of the back comes the, the manager and uh, had to step between the two of us. And then he comes out. The manager came and helped Dan outside in the, um, um, the, the you know, the, with the machine. After I'd explained, this guy obviously doesn't realize that I'm with my wife. And he's talking to her uh, in a totally male chauvinist way. So that's my experience. I better move on because otherwise we won't get anything done today. <laughs> Drive you a bit mad. Here we go. Carry on. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Okay, so uh, that's obviously that we get that all the time, you know not connected etc uh, so the story i'm looking at now is the best paid nhs consultant 
this particular guy takes home nearly half a million pound a year, figures have revealed. One unidentified senior doctor who works in the Midlands pocketed 489,500 in 2020. Uh, this is NHS data. Two other top paid medics based in the Midlands and London, um, 386,000 and 385,000. Nearly one in 10 earned 165,000 or more, which is about Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister's uh, salary. He earns roughly 85,000 as an MP and an additional 80,000 for being Prime Minister. So uh, we're looking at these guys who basically are um, really, really top earners. And I've got to say, I am full of admiration for what they do. But I think it's getting to the stage now where people forget who's working for who. And if you're going to talk about the National Health Service, um, I wouldn't have thought you can pay Mo Salah's weekly salary uh, to those type of people. But uh, um, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, and they're thinking of going on strike for more money. Hang on a minute. What? How much do you want? You know what I mean? It's, we're paying for it all. And they're getting more than Prime Minister. You know, it's like, hang on. It's like these train drivers. You know that, that were that go, all going on strike, and and they were earning seventy eight thousand. You know, and then they've got overtime on that, and now they're refusing to do overtime. Well, but you're still on seventy eight thousand, a train driver. I mean, what what they're trying to do, make the country implode or something? I don't know what's going on here. I, think I mean, it's all left, it's all left wing lot that are trying to get everybody out marching and God knows what and out on strike and this that and the other. And going on to the Keir Starmer, who must have known about everything that's going on, nobody's seen him. When they, when they send somebody else on, nobody can give us their answers as to what they, you know, what would you give them? You know, yeah. it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I told you, I've, I've gone through my tale all the time. But there'll be nobody losing money that's on all these exec, executive committees, you know, yeah. No matter what union you're in, all the union men will still be getting full pay, and they'll be claiming extra on expenses because they've had to drive down and go and support somebody on picket line and this and the other. Now, no, come come out with some viable things, Labour, Libs, you know, all the other lot, the Greens, and and then what was it, grass and all that. Come out with something sensible, and then let's let's have a, let's have a look at it then. But no, 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 it's all. Well, you, mean, know, uh, you know, you know how one hundred and eighty thousand a year. Ridiculous, isn't it? Um, you well, you know how long I've been banging on about uh, the the Communist Party manifesto, and basically um, last night I didn't look for this, by the way, but we were just fed up with the TV, so we looked at a um, documentary which was called Uncle Tom. And it describes cultural Marxism and it shows you how cultural Marxism is like changing what we've all learned is good suddenly is bad. And all the things that have been bad are now suddenly good. It's an international plot. And it's, uh, I didn't realise how long this has been going on. If you watch this, you'll be very surprised. Because even when we had the 60s, the civil rights marches and everything in the United States of America, 
what they were doing, they were playing the black guys and the black communities uh, to be sort of the people who basically were, were really always treated badly. What they didn't tell you was that there were stacks of black guys who were really being treated very, very well. And rightly so, because they were good, hard-working guys. And there was a guy called uh, Booker T. Washington. Uh, great if you can see anything about him, because believe me, it's a real eye-opener, this one. If you get the chance, Neil, Uncle Tom, part one and part two, very revealing. It'll um, put you right up there with those that are best informed. I'll go on with the next one then. So uh, here comes our third item in the news. Things that are either being played down or not being played in the right way. Here's the next one. So we've been talking about these uh, best paid NHS consultants. And now we're looking at an A and E doctor who was twice caught speeding in a 30 miles per hour zone. Now, she's avoided a road ban after insisting disqualification would be disastrous for the NHS. Dr. Juliet Bransby, 46, warned the court that her colleagues and her patients would be impacted if she was banned from driving and further claimed she was unable to use public transport to travel to night shifts because it wasn't safe. She's from, sorry about this, Anfield. <laughs> uh, she works as a locum at a hospital in Wrexham in North Wales and she was caught driving her Ford Transit Connect van at 36 miles per hour in the same 30 miles per hour zone in Liverpool in April and July of last year. So what does her lawyer say? Because, as you know, these lawyers are getting paid big money just to um, get these people off the same punishments that you and I would get. Uh, so Diana Pizzamecca apparently is her specialist lawyer. And she says a specialist in speeding motoring offence lawyer. Uh, she told the court, you've heard yourself and seen today that Dr. Bransby struggles with her mobility. She simply won't be able to travel by public transport due to the risk to her health. You've heard about the pressures in the NHS and there's a shortage of doctors and a shortage of NHS staff. You've heard that due to the pressures and especially due to the COVID pandemic, more doctors are under stress and going off sick, putting more pressure on the hospitals. And then she goes on to argue uh, that the innocent parties are her colleagues and the um, A&E patients seeking emergency medical um, treatment etc anyway um, comments that I read the laws of the land should apply equally she was not on any sort of emergency call so that means she was ignoring the law that means she should be punished at least as harshly as anyone else and she should also be suspended from practising for a minimum of 12 months until she understands why her position of responsibility is important and why it means she is the one who should be setting an example. As we have a situation now where there can be no faith or trust in the integrity of someone who takes such a poor attitude to her own duty and care to others. So what do you think about uh, all this particular A&E doctor? And uh, her activities. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, me and driving. Hang on a bit. <laughs> thirty-six mile an hour in a thirty. Right. Okay. 
and she got caught twice, I thought you got points. If you get caught once, you get so many points, and then you get another load of points for the next one, and, and, a, and, a, and a, a fine. I get that. And then if you get caught three times and you lose all your points, then you get a ban. But for just two speeding things at 36 mile an hour, which is six mile an hour over the limit, I think that's a bit harsh. You know. Or, of course, there's a, bit, there's a bit more that we're not being told, maybe. There must be. There's got to be, because here, we, we get we get 12 points, don't we? Yeah. And then if we got caught doing something, it, it comes down. And if we come to naught, then we get a ban and, and this, that and the other. And in, in UK, it's the other way. They give you points, and when you get up to so many, then you get a ban, you know, and then you, your insurance goes up because you've had a ban and all this, that and the other. Or you might have to take uh, a driving go to one of these... You know these uh, meetings where they tell you uh, why not to speed. I, I get. To, I mean, thirty-six. Sometimes you're just listening to a song on radio and you don't realise you've just gone over. I mean, six mile an hour. I don't think that's. I could understand. It. Yet somebody's going through a thirty or eighty, and they catch him and they smash police cars and this, that, and the other. Yeah, they, they just get a six-month ban or something like that. You know, and not even or a, a suspended sentence. They should be made to pay for police cars and all the damage they do. But I think, to be honest, I think it's only, it's only twice. I think it's a bit harsh, that. Yeah, and uh, my suspicion is that there's a bit more to that story, but we haven't got it. So I'll move on to the next one because I think um, this is also very interesting. Here we go. Okay, now this is a story that I saw in a couple of papers and then it's also appeared again today. It's a community police support officer who refused to investigate an alleged assault outside a supermarket, telling a member of the public that he did not want to deal with it. So PCSO Stuart Metcalf was approached by a motorist who had watched a suspected teenage shoplifter punch a woman who tried to stop her outside a co-op store. This is all in West Sussex. Now, the 58-year-old was sitting in his patrol car less than a minute's walk from the supermarket, but despite the pleas from the man, he refused to budge, telling him, um, I'm not... Uh, hang on, when I urged to drive just around the corner, uh, told the man... Uh, no, that, that doesn't read well. But basically, I can't tell you more apart from the, the conversation was cr- recorded on the motorist dash cam and has since gone viral. It was basically saying that he couldn't do it. Uh, I'm on a rest day from work. I won't say anything. It's probably best not to right now. Uh, in other words, he's a paid Bobby. Uh, maybe he's on his day off or on his rest day or whatever, and he's not bothered to go and um, give a hand to somebody who's got an incident a minute away from him. I wouldn't have thought that was good policing. Well, no, no, not at all. But how, how, did, how did they know he were a policeman? Were he in a police car? Mark, he, yeah, Mark, know, Mark he, police car. What? It was a marked police car. I mean, an official police car. I saw that part of the video. Oh, right. So then, he's got to go. If he's in a police... So what's he doing then? Is he impersonating a policeman because it's his day off, which he should get done for that? Right? But if not, well, he should have radioed it in to somebody who could. 
that's probably just down the road from him or something like that. But he should have gone out there and sorted that out and held him there until somebody could come and then charge him with, with assault or whatever it was. You know, how ridiculous is that? What a con we're, paying his, we're paying his wages. <laughs> what I can't understand is if he's claiming it's his day off, why would he be sitting in in a police car? I mean, surely exactly. you don't have the, you don't have that for your day off, do you? No, you can <laughs> oh, I've got my company car outside. It's got blue flashing lights and yellow and uh, yellow and blue and uh, stickers all over it. No, 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 mm. no. Get rid of him. Well, again, somebody else will. Again, it's like what we do on the podcast. We're, we're looking at the information that's presented to the to the uh, the reader. Now, you know, uh, obviously, they're trying to make out, or in the article, it's almost like they're trying to make out that he's allowed to take the police car home. But then, um, if there's anything police business wise, he doesn't want to doesn't want to know uh, what's going on. You know, um, yeah. community support officer. Ah. It's just a title then, isn't it? It's just another That's fancy what, they, name. They used to be called specials years ago, didn't they? <laughs> you used to walk around in a uniform. If you're a bit of a, who are going on, they'd, they'd just step in and say, right, hang on a minute. If somebody needed arresting, then they'd phone through and say, can I have a, can I have a car here or a, another officer here or something? You know? Yeah. But yeah, no, I'll get rid of him. And, and I, can't see, I can't see a special getting a nice car like that and not being on official business. But anyway, okay. Exactly. Uh, let's go on with the, uh, let's go to the next one then. Here we go. Okay, so um, I think we did talk before about you not bothering to get an electric car. Um, I certainly won't be getting one as much as I, if I'm able to have the choice. Uh, but electric car drivers, I'm reading, are being pressured into downloading more than 30 apps to navigate the charging network. Nearly every firm running charging point in the UK has its own app for payment, which customers are pushed upwards when they visit their website. Uh, at least a dozen charging providers do not even allow payments by other means, such as cash or contactless card. So what do you think of that um, article? Well, I've just ordered a new car. And I can promise you, it isn't an hybrid or an electric one. And there's no infrastructure. I'm not going about the batteries, because everybody knows that I've worked with batteries for us. And... Here we go again about these lithium batteries in, in these scooters and bikes and cars. And uh, a young family have, uh, have died because it's blown up again. And all these cars you see on fire, uh, that we see them in uh, Euro Weekly and Weekly Post and yeah. on Spanish News. They're, they're all setting, you know, they, I'm not saying they're all, they're setting on fire because they overeat. And when it does go off in flame, you can't put it out. It just explodes, and it's it's ridiculous. Nobody's nobody's thought about all this. Though. I mean, they, they think this is some brand new idea. The, the car weighs half a ton or whatever it is, more than a normal car, and you're paying a fortune for it. And I think people think that you're going to get electricity for nothing. No, you're not. And that's if you can find somewhere to charge it, because your house wouldn't charge it properly. You'd have to be there twenty-four. 
He'd have to be on for 24 hours all the time. I just... But the, the danger's in them. It'll come, it'll come out eventually. Yeah. You know, they're no good. And once, once they... Because they're poisonous, once they, they break down... But nobody will check them on. Nobody will, you know, there's not a thing that you can say, right, well, this battery's completely gone, it's leaking, we need to get it to wherever, a recycling thing. No, nobody will check them on because it's poisonous. Yeah. If, if, if you were selling poison in, in Asda and Tesco's or wherever, or you know, they'd jump on you like a ton of bricks. But now they're letting everybody, or they're forcing everybody to, to buy these electric cars that are absolute poisonous. And the maximum you'll get out of them, and this is the brand new BMW that I've seen the advert for on telly, it's the maximum of 330 kilometres. Yeah, but that's if you've got no lights on, you're not put, you're not going over 26, uh, 30 kilometres an hour. Well, what good's a car like that for? There's no point in having it. This would also be shown on adverts, which shows the makeup of the population of Britain has changed dramatically in the last, say, three or four months. I would imagine, maybe, maybe, maybe a year, um, because all the families are probably um, well. I've not seen a white family on an advert for ages now. I don't know about about you. Have you ever seen any of them recently? No, no, no. It's the more and more. But as I say, going to the adverts and all that, and you've got to read that at the bottom that's really small, you know, to, to pick up on them. But as I said, this is going back two years ago when uh, all them uh, people in France that were, at, you know, head office in councils and this, that and the other, they all got these small run-around cars to go around town and this, that and the other, and now they're all sat in a field leaking lithium and poison and God knows what. Because once the battery's gone, that, that's the whole price of the car. You know, the car's not worth anything. You can throw, you can throw everything else in the bin, and nobody will touch them batteries. It's, okay. it's an absolute disgrace. Okay, I'm going to go back to the article now because I deliberately uh, didn't give you another bit of information because I got caught by the same thing. Uh, and this is somebody from Leicester saying, this is disinformation. The reality is that most networks accept contactless cards for payment and those that do not need an app are the low-powered chargers in various car parks, most of which are operated by Podpoint. I drive an electric vehicle and do 99% of my charging at home on the rare occasions I need to use a public charger. I just use my credit card. The only truth of this story is in the number of different networks there are all with their own apps and all initially trying to exclude anyone who was not a signed-up customer of theirs. That is the fault of the government, who, apart from begrudgingly, belatedly and half-heartedly implementing the EU directive, have done nothing until very recently to regulate the charging providers. I don't think you can even... I don't really think you can blame the government for that, because... Um, unless you've got an app, you wouldn't really know that that was something that that person was doing, would you? Exactly. It's, I mean, the, 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 I, I, I went down to a few, you know, these, you know, the main dealers down here when they were looking for cars, and all they wanted to do was push an, an electric car onto me. You know, yeah. well, we'll give you £2,000 off. Yeah, but 
the same car in a, in a petrol or a diesel were like eighteen, nineteen thousand cheaper than this electric thing. And now everybody in the UK is going berserk about the uh, price of electricity and this, that, and the other. And hang on a minute. How are you going to? How, how's every, if everybody plugged in, there'd be nothing left in the UK if they all plugged it in overnight. You know, there's no infrastructure for such such millions. Of, and what are they going to do with all these millions of old cars? Just say, well, hang on, you've gone past this date now. That's going to crush you. You know, where, where's all this? You know, where's all this legislation? It does make you know? it does make it you wonder? And I've spotted another article which I put again just to throw something else into this. Recharging electric cars at public points can now prove more expensive than a petrol refill. Surging electric costs has meant electric vehicle owners are no longer guaranteed a cheaper driving experience. There are already fears that Britain's electric car market disproportionately favours those with driveways as the government prepares to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars in 2030. So, again, I'm looking to see what people are saying. So this one is somebody from the UK in uh, Alnwick. I don't know where that is. Uh, They will argue that it is a mass private transport that is leading to climate catastrophe and that their comparatively small number of fully carbon offset private flights make little difference. The super rich can also afford the ever increasing number of toys such as electric jet skis, slipper launchers and super bikes. Even cooler than the old petrol stuff they seem to like so much, the rich have a bright future ahead of them while we Save the planet for them. They may say that the cooperatively small number of mega-rich people can't make the difference anyway. Are they right? This isn't about social justice. This is about preventing a climate disaster, or so we're told. Climate disaster. My left foot. Not having that malarkey. Will's been going for billions of years and, and nature looks after itself and this, that and the other. But... You see, now they're saying, oh, well, you've got to pay by card. So that, this is that's OK. They, they might keep it a bit low at the moment. But I do think that it's cheaper to fill my car up with petrol or diesel than it is to, to do it electric. When I've got to just leave it there for 24 hours, if I get an emergency, I've got to dash, and then I'm frightened death of it conking out. What do I do then? You know, but once they've got you in the net... Yeah, you know they they throwing the you know they throwing the maggots out like a fisherman does, and then when they get you on the on the reel and you're in, all of a sudden everybody's then on electric cars, allegedly saving the the earth. My left foot, it's yeah. a con. It's a, it's just another way of getting money out of here, more money out of here, and then all of a sudden I can't run my car because it's too expensive because the electric's gone through the roof. <laughs> well, out. Unlucky. But if you have a look at all these, they made, you know, they made oil with oil and gas and everything to to produce the battery. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, you're hitting the hail, you're hitting the nail on the head all the time because, quite frankly, I've suspected again this is part of some bigger picture. I'm not too sure exactly what. Uh, probably when all the um, unions kick in and all go on strike, so that we don't get the chance to actually go and uh, you know um, charge up the car and people are marooned all over the show. I mean, you know, it's just uh, it's an accident waiting to happen for me. 
Well, it was like that, that I said when it was snowing going over M62 over into Yorkshire. The other side of Yorkshire were all clear. Right? What, what had stopped them coming here? They, they were blaming it on the snow. No. Car, some cars had conked out. Electric cars had conked out. And everybody's behind them then, and they, they can't shift them. You can't send somebody through the snow all, all the way along M62 to move a few cars so all traffic can carry on then. No. I told you my mate had a stroke through worrying about... He said, I couldn't keep concentrating on the driving because I was looking at my electric thing going down. Because he, he bought a new car, which yeah. was a, a diesel, and they give him an electric car for five days while they, they got it all ready for him and this, that, and the other. He said, he said when I told... Uh, he got rushed in with a, a mini stroke, and he said... I couldn't sleep at night. I would get it up, look, go in, make sure that my car was still at charge where somebody could have plugged, plugged theirs in instead of Matt, you know what I mean? On his credit card. Well, you, you know, this, I, this is definitely all part of the climate change and all that, the whole thing, really. And I just picked up a couple of things where I was looking yesterday, the, the these massive fires in Canada. So, of course, you know, it's affecting, I think it's the east coast of uh, of the United States. And, you know, um, it, it, they look awful. And then when you read about it, the Canadians are saying certain things that you don't hear anything of in the media, um, not on the news or anything like that. Um, they're saying that uh, this happens all the time, that it's nature's way of clearing things, that the... Um, Trudeau, and because he's tied in with the communists as well, uh, because Trudeau doesn't want to spend any money on um, sorting out uh, what what they could do to affect maybe stopping the fires and everything. Um, I mean, you you really would have the opinion that this is some terrible thing that's never been happened before, um, but that certainly wasn't the case from what I was reading yesterday. Yeah, Australia, have you seen it now? It's glowing, it's booming. You know, all them, all them that, you know, it all got burnt to, to Chris. I, I agree with that. Nature will sort itself out. If, if it needs destroying to rebuild it, you know, even bigger and better, then it will. Yeah. And it goes round in these circles. Uh, remember, um, uh, uh, not Tidy, the other one on Lanzarote, with all that, you know, when all that lava came down, the banana plantations. Okay. Now, now, it did booming again. I watched a thing on it the other night. Uh, pa- Palmer, the Isle, P- Palmer Isle. Yeah. And it showed you where it said, oh, come all the way down, destroyed all these uh, banana plantations, not all of them. So, you know, some where it stopped and it went in sea and all that. Yeah. But they're, they're all over there. And now, they're booming again. That's yeah. nature. Uh, yeah, Nobody's I mean, just going to dug all this soot away from everywhere. Nature will regrow itself. That's what it does. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, look, I'll find you a nice lighter one for a couple of minutes. Hang on, this one is uh, this is light. See what we think of this one. Now, I thought this might have been a, a make-up name, but Angela Schoonover from San Diego, California. She's defended dyeing her pet poodle purple, pink and blue. 
I mean, obviously, people are going on to the internet once they've seen the pictures and saying that she's cruel. She said her dog, Zoe, likes looking fun. I mean, they're not even using the language the way we used to do it. Um, first and <laughs> foremost, uh, if you had a dog, would you go around dying it? Um, and then secondly, is it cruelty? No, I wouldn't. I had a Bichon Frise, and they're, they're pure white with black eyes and black nose and that. Yeah. And uh, that, if, you, if you were going to die a dog, that would be ideal because it's, it, it, it's like a like poodle fur, really, you know. Uh, but, no, that's just her trying to show her character off. Did she ask the dog, listen, I'm going, I'm going to do your hair and this, that and the other, and I'm going to do it pink, purple and yellow and red and whatever. No, leave the dog, just brush it, wash it, shampoo it, and let the dog look how it, how it should be as a dog. Purple and pink and do me a favour, please. Ah, you give me an idea here. You know those those kids we talked about the other week that were tur- turning up at school and saying I'm a cat or I'm a dog or I'm a fox or whatever it was? Um, what the teachers should do is start uh, maybe dyeing them all different colours to make them look as ridiculous. Mind you, I haven't said that. They'd probably become popular, wouldn't they? Yeah, it, it, if you come in as a cat, I mean, and then and then it gets an F uh, because it is... It, come and said, I'm distinguishing myself as a cat now. And they said, well, you, you, you might as well go home. So, and when parents went back, they said, why, why has he been sent home and got an F in such a thing? They said, well, he, he's, he's come uh, identified as a cat and we've still got a mouse problem in here, so we've got rid of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that one out. <laughs> right, here's the next one. So in February, now this is technical stuff, so you've got to really... I'll go slowly with this one. Uh, that's me. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. I'm out of this one. <laughs> okay, so it's um, Meta, the tech giant who owns or which owns Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp. Uh, so they've decided to make their code public, allowing amateur tech heads to rip out these filters which smaller tech companies are then following suit and supporters of this open source artificial intelligence says it blasts a hole through corporate control and accelerates innovation by making the powerful technology available to entrepreneurs to academics and scientists so this is mark zuckerberg claims its move is a positive force to advance technology. Some models have been used to discover new pharmaceuticals or pesticides, for examples, uh, but they are also open to abuse. Uh, YouTubers with more than 100,000 subscribers have posted tutorials explaining how to create uncensored AI. I, artificial intelligence, demonstrating how these new chatbots will answer questions like how to make a bomb or how to make meth uh, that other models would refuse to answer. Others being used to satisfy sexual desires. One video with around 180,000 views begins with an AI-generated voiceover asking, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? It tells viewers not to worry because now we have... Pygmalion AI, an uncensored chatbot fine-tuned for hot role-play. 
Some chatbots created using modified versions of Meta's chatbox model are able to carry out graphic rape and abuse fantasies. Neil, the world is getting sicker and sicker by the minute. Um, But, you know, just when you think you've seen depravity on the scale that you don't want to see any more, they're at at it again. I mean, that's just awful, isn't it? Well, I mean, to promote rape and uh, anything like that, you know, it's disgusting. It's it's beyond belief. Uh, uh, You know, how low can they get some of these, you know, tech giants that are promoting all this, you know, or letting this get promoted out there? They must be lower than a snake's belly. You know, I just don't get them. How how, how deprived do you want to, you know, do you want to be? Yeah. You know. Um, I... Well, I I won't be on it. Well, I'm not on on that TikTok or whatever it's called. And you know me, I'm just on basic Facebook and uh, and Messenger. It's like me. I'm... You know, instead of keep sending a message on WhatsApp, I just press the phone because I'd sooner talk to somebody than yeah, we know, do keep that. Pressing, keep pressing buttons and then waiting, and I'll just send a message and go, "Okay," after you've just <laughs> put, put a, a load of lines on, and then they go, "Okay." It well, is, was that it? It is you know, stupid. <laughs> It is stupid, Neil. You, you're right again. I mean, to be honest with you, it annoys me. Um, why can't somebody just pick the phone up, just call me, and we'll have a chat? And if I'm not available, yeah, okay, send me a message. But otherwise, um, right, here comes the next one. Here it comes. Let's see. We'll do this one. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe calling. Okay, so uh, you might remember I told you about this gender clinic, which is down in um, Devon. It was called the Tavistock Centre and a private gender clinic. uh, It is uh, run by former staff from Tavistock is being investigated by the government's health watchdog just a month after opening. The Mail on Sunday revealed that the controversial new gender plus clinic which may refer children and teenagers for gender reassignment surgery and hormone treatment is being probed for failing to register with health regulator the Kerr quality commission which said it was not currently looking at a criminal investigation uh, last night critics voiced fears that gender plus posed a serious threat to young people around half of the clinic staff previously worked at the Tavistock gender identity development service uh, the NHS's only clinic treating children for gender dysphoria which was ordered to close last year after a damning NHS review Dr. Hilary Cass ruled the service was not safe for children. The clinic, which opened in the 1980s, was strongly criticised for allegedly rushing thousands of teenagers onto life-altering puberty-blocking drugs. Since then, former patients have come forward saying they regret transitioning. Former Tavistock staff opened 
Gender Plus, which has offices in London, Birmingham and Dublin last month. The company's website says it provides specialist gender assessment for children, adolescents and young adults. Strikes me they're at it again. It's, I, don't, I just don't get this at all. Uh, there were a young girl once. Didn't she have her breasts off because she wanted to be a boy? And now she's changed her mind again. And she were, she were younger then. And as I said last time, you know, if you get to 18 and 20 or whatever, you know, there and, and, you, and that's what you want to do, well, then get on with it, you know. But this, this place that's encouraging people that maybe don't know because uh, they're, they're younger, you know, what it's all about, some some of them will say, oh, I'll give that a try. Yeah, I'll give, you know, anything. You know, it's just, I don't know. As far as I know, I think that they just want shutting down this Tavistock thing, if that's what they're promoting, well, I think you what know, the, to, young, to young people. What I'd be looking at is find out who the names are of all the people that are there working and doing this type of work, uh, then um, try and uh, get a get a costs against those people because quite frankly, if they're profiting from people who later in life have got more problems, um, that's the way to hit them. Uh, but exactly, yeah, you know, you, you pay for that, you know, uh, surgical reimbalance. You know, if you know where you've got to have false boobs and all this lot put in. Yeah, you know, the, the, but they should come down really hard on this before they even start. You know. They're only young, younger kids, you know, you know what I mean? It's not like there's somebody at 30 saying, right, well, I'm going to change. I remember that one, George to Julia. She was about 28 or something, yeah. and BBC filmed it. Yeah. From George to Julia, it was called. And uh, and then she opened up a, an hotel in uh, Benidorm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the Queen's. You right. Know, well, that was her problem because she was old enough to know. But when you're trying to encourage young people that... You know, they think they're having a double, like they start off in a double of drugs and then they end up like addicted and that. But once you've had this surgery done, there's not a lot of ways back, is there? No. Right, um, we'll go with the next one then. Here it comes. Let's see. So the horrors of the battlefield are as fresh for Colonel Dr. Kelvin Wright today as they were at the height of the Afghan conflict. As a reservist army medic, he vividly recalls his daily Chinook helicopter flights across the enemy-held Helmand territory. Uh, So, um, you know, this guy's obviously been doing great work uh, trying to cure people on the battlefield and then for later on in the article for all his distinguished frontline service over a 14 year military career the intensive care consultant has now been defeated by a different sort of enemy the extreme ideology of the trans lobby the 54 year old whose calmness and expertise were so respected that he ran the emergency department at Camp Bastion Uh, during his second tour of duty, has now been forced to quit the job he loves after being dragged through a disciplinary uh, disciplinary process. His crime was to share, no comment, a Facebook post that he considered simple common sense, but which promoted an angry backlash from one of his junior officers. 
The message featured a quote from women's right campaigner Henry Helen, sorry, Helen Joyce, which read, If women cannot stand in a public place and say men cannot be women, then we do not have a women's rights at all. So uh, you've got this guy now who has been doing all these brave things in on the battlefield and he's now been knocked down by the silly woke, well, wicked woke brigade. Um, you know, it's what I'm saying about this cultural Marxism. All the good yeah. is now bad and all the bad is now good. That's what they're trying to do. And uh, there's a classic example of somebody who was brilliant, being a very brave man by the what I was reading about him, and now has lost his job and his livelihood because of something that he didn't even say anything, just using a social media platform. So that is ridiculous, isn't it? Exactly. You know, 98% of the people are not offended. The 2% are, and they're ruling all the other 98%. Well, how can that be right? You know, one woman comes shouting and bawling and this, that and the other, and oh, we'll all fall in line and get get rid of him with what he's done for the country and everybody else that lives in that country, you know. Well, there's only, yeah, there's only one way that it's, it's, it's able to go ahead now. You see, uh, if you read or if you watch this film I was talking to you about, this um, documentary, uh, Uncle Tom, it shows yeah. you quite clearly that America has been infiltrated in all the different ways. What we've discussed is really, you can see it clearly happening in Britain. You can see that one sort of six-week campaign, they'll be battering the national health, then they'll go on to the police, then they'll go on to the teaching, and then they'll go on to the uh, the unions and their activities against terrible management. Uh, then you'll find that the unions are doing exactly the same in their own businesses. Um, really... This is what's happening. It's when, funny enough, we said many years ago it could happen through the Chinese restaurants. I mean, people, I remember people t saying it as a joke. The Chinese are far, far cleverer than that. The communists, oh. international communists, have got everywhere. They're in everywhere, aren't they? Oh, definitely. So look at the shops and restaurants. You know what I mean, at one time, there were probably four Chinese restaurants in, in Benidorm. No, there's like 400, you know, and the shops, they're everywhere. Even in these villages, you know, like, I mean, Pollock, Chinese shops have bought them there. And then there's one, well, there's about three in Pollock now, and there's about six or seven in Lanus here, and they're only small, small places. So if you multiply that when you start getting into places like London, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take long. But it's, but it's easier to see those, you see, because, you know, at least we, we pass them and we go in and we maybe uh, meet somebody and, you know, often they're lovely people. Uh, but it's what we don't see, which is, you know, the people getting into the academic world, people getting into the police, people getting into the minds of all these people who are now protesting. That is where it's the, the Marxist thing and this is where you know unfortunately it's just gone to a degree now if you really really watch that i think you'll be quite disturbed by what people now can see it was going on 
since the American civil rights years. I didn't see that one. I have to be honest. Yeah. You, you know, I've suspected this for a long time. I didn't think it went yeah. back that far. But, it, well, you, but no, you see, if, if you look at it again, these that are coming over in boats everywhere, you know, whether it be Greece, Italy, Spain, UK, you know, everywhere, uh, who, who's funding them? And if you, if you, you know, if you look a bit further back, it could be Chinese, to you know, as you say, to to just um, you know stop the country from working or anything, you know. Well, if it's not the Chinese, it'll, it'll certainly be international Marxists. There's no two, da- no ways about it. Yeah. I mean, Black Lives Matter, for example, people do know, they've got the evidence that it's a Marxist organisation and it's a terrorist organisation. Yeah. And, and yet, we've still got the likes of the Football League taking the knee. That wouldn't, that wouldn't happen unless somebody is either got the wrong information or they're in the right job to give everybody else the wrong information. That's what I think. Who, 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 who in the, got, the, got sacked? Because he said, well, when we're going to have uh, people checking their knee in sport and this, that and the other, for white lives that matter. Mm. You know, it's as though, if you're white now, you can forget it. There's no for you, pal. If you're any other orientated, you know, person, you can, and any colour, you, you can get what you want. But for for you white ones that are working and grafting and this that and the other and earning your way in life, you get nothing. You're but, just a waste of space. But you see, this this is the the way that the the, the white, mainly white communists, uh, have managed to get everybody thinking. It's it's to change everybody's thinking. That's what they're all up to. And basically, yeah, I just did a podcast with um, Matt this morning about the the true value of parents. Because if the parents don't spot it and make sure that their children are given the correct education, and then they go to the schools and they're already training the teachers and the teacher trainers, there'll always be the odd one that unfortunately doesn't see what they're being told is wrong. And then before you've got too far down the road, we've got the situation that we're in right now. And I think, quite honestly, if uh, if our listeners have not heard of this particular documentary, Uncle Tom, part one, part two, I was flabbergasted by what I saw last night. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a black guy called um, Booker T. Washington. He sounds as if he was absolutely fantastic. You know, he had all the right stuff. And what they didn't show you was all the success that the black Americans were having um, at the time they were trying to make out that there was no uh, success at all for the black Americans. And, you know, they've they've just reeled them in and unfortunately got everybody uptight um, and making angry noises when really uh, they should have thought a bit more. Neil, um, we've got a minute left, so that's up to you to say goodbye. Right, well, enjoyed it, as usual, Vince. It's still cracking flags here. It must be. I mean, it was 34 in shade this morning, and, and sun's still beating down, so outside it has to be 37. So I'll be uh, staying in. Well, I'm to, not going out in this, it's too hot for me. If it's too hot for me, it's too hot for anybody. Well, to, to divert everybody, we've got some more football and um, Spain's, I think, under-21s play tomorrow or tonight. No, it'll be tomorrow. So um, the diversion goes on. Some of it you and, enjoy. And the next test is on Thursday. 
Right. So we'll see what happens there with any booing because it's up in Yorkshire. You know what they're like up there. <laughs> they'll, they'll be giving them some stick. Neil, always a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah. I'll speak to you next week, Vince. Lovely. Thank you, Neil. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.